Hello everyone and welcome back to the History Hour here on KZMU. I'm your host and guide, Blaine. And today we're going to be listening to a conversation that I had with my friend Brigham of Utah. I actually found him on social media where he's got a platform on Instagram and also TikTok. And he goes around all over Utah to very specific places and basically tells you the story of it, whether it be a petroglyph panel or an artifact in a museum that he's really wanting to talk about. Uh, Cowboy history, settler history, explorer history. And so I highly recommend checking them out on, on social media, Instagram and TikTok, Brigham of Utah. And I hope that you guys really enjoy our conversation. All right. Well, how you doing, man? Doing all right. How about you? Doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited about this, man. I've been watching your social media for, oh gosh, a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about what you do on uh, social media. Well, I just... I go places around, mostly around Utah. Sometimes I go a little bit outside of Utah um, and find find historical spots, places where interesting things have happened and talk about, you know, what I know about it, what I've researched. And um, a lot of the time I go to cemeteries too, like find, find graves of significance and that can kind of radiate out from there. Like, okay, so where did this significant person you know, have their stuff going on here or there. And mm-hmm. yeah, kind of just go out on field trips to historical spots. Yeah. <laughs> do you have like a favorite uh, sort of a, do you have a, like a favorite era of history that you like to go visit, like indigenous or settler or explorers or something like that? Oh. Well, in Utah in particular, I really like the pre-Columbian stuff. Nice. And there's just enough mystery there that it's really kind of tantalizing but then really specific details that you can get really excited over yeah yeah that's really cool because like one of the things about utah history is that i feel like i feel like it's so different than like a lot of other states histories (laughs) you know because we were pretty much like the gateway to the west uh you know we were mostly settled by the anglo people of the mormons And then there was the Spanish exploration. And then you've got all of the indigenous uh, wars that were going on uh, throughout the, you know, latter portion of the 1800s around here. And so just super unique stuff. And, and I really like uh, all these places that you go to, you know, um, I like to do such a wide variety of history and, um, and you even cover, excuse me, you even cover a little geology too. I saw a video, <laughs> you were up in arches. Um, oh yeah. It was super cool. And cause I'm actually a guide in arches back country. So I know a lot of the geology. And oh, you were awesome. Spot, yeah. And you were spot on. So <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Cause sometimes I'm not, <laughs> I try to be, I do my best. Right. Yeah. They yeah. calls me out in the comments all all mea culpa you know so <laughs> right right <laughs> no no you were definitely spot on i was like oh man i was like this is this is really good i was like man he was man he was in moab you know <laughs> that's awesome so what is like like what's like one of your big inspirations for like specifically utah history i'm not sure if i i've ever really thought about it that way i've kind of just thought of history more broadly as mm-hmm. you know different things that interest me and Utah has just been closer, you know, growing up here and living here most of my life. Um, But as I've 
delved further into it and learned more myself, that crossroads of the West aspect is really interesting to me. The way how I, it just goes back thousands of years with, you know, um, people, people living in the Southwest where they were connected with people down in Mexico or down on the Pacific coast. And then in later years kind of becomes the first area with um, major United States settlements. And so as people are passing through on their way to Oregon or California, you know, they often come through Utah. It's just this major vector point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, we were kind of the crossroads, you know, as you were saying, you know, for the Anglo people, like the gateway to the West, but also one thing I think I find so interesting is down in uh, Chaco Canyon, um, they archaeologists. Oh, yeah. I love Chaco. I can nerd out about Chaco Canyon all day. Oh, I love Chaco. <laughs> it's so great. Um, one of the things that I was seeing, I was watching in this documentary was that they found pottery pots, you know, with perfectly preserved, like traces of uh, cacao in them. And then oh, yeah. they're like uh, these like blue macaw feathers. And then they even found, Oh my gosh, seashells that they could trace up to the Oregon coast. So perhaps, you know, maybe Utah was had a huge trading route coming through it right through the four corners right. down into right. Chaco Canyon. Were you watching me on TikTok before Instagram? Uh, no, or... I'm not on TikTok. Okay. Okay. So like my Instagram kind of had a big blow up in the past year. Mm -hmm. um, and that a big one was um, I went to the museum at Edge of the Cedars in Blanding mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and they have um, they, it's a, a sash, a sash made out of scarlet macaw feathers. Yeah. And it was found inside a cave and it's so well preserved, bright red and blue feathers. Mm. And so I made a video about, you know, people had macaw feathers up here that they were getting from Mexico. And they probably also had live parrots for a little bit because they found parrot bones up in the Four Corners area. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause like, and when I'm when I'm guiding, you know, I talk a lot about history, especially when people find out I'm, I'm a bit of a historian. All all of the history buffs start asking lots of questions, and and that's one thing I tell them is as as I say, you know, we're taught that like we Anglo people are the ones who mapped out our continents, right? But indigenous people already had the North and South continents already mapped out clearly, right? With yeah, no, reading kind of coming. Uh, all the way from the Oregon coast, all the way down into Brazil. You know? <laughs> it's, right, it's just mind blowing, and I I've actually not been to the Edge of the Cedars Museum down in Blanding as of yet. Um, but oh, they I, have incredible stuff. I hear it's like one of the best museums for like archaeology and like with yeah yeah no it really museum. is. Oh my gosh. But yeah, uh, Chaco Canyon, just, I mean, just right here in the four corners, uh, region. And, um, but you do a lot of like petroglyph sites too. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what was one of your favorite petroglyph panels that you visited? Hmm. Well, you know, I really love kind of a, not a super unique answer. I really love the great hunt in nine mile Canyon. Mm. And I did, like I did one video where I kind of showed 
um, different figures in that panel and then kind of adding sound effects of the hunt, you know, arrows mm -hmm. firing and the sheep bleeding, uh, not bleeding, but bleating with a T. <laughs> bleating. Yeah, because um, they talk about how this panel is thought to be portraying a specific event, or it might be anyway. And it's this really elaborate petroglyph panel with dozens of individual fig figures. Um, and it's um, showing a hunt of, of bighorn sheep during the mating season in Nine Mile Canyon. I went, I think one of my favorites was I... Um visited a pictograph panel in the maze district of Canyonlands. Um, oh, yeah. I, I had the privilege of, uh, of uh, guiding into the maze this past year. And we went uh, down into the uh, harvest scene panel, this pictograph panel. And there is this like uh, anthropomorphic character um, and he's got his arm extended out and he's holding um, rice grass and there's like a rabbit like running like up his arm and it is like and then there's one that I I don't know if it has an official name but he kind of I call him the owl man because he's got these really big round eyes and he sort of has these two feathers on top of his head that kind of look like um, sort of just reminds me of an owl and uh, but that one was interesting because he had these big, long, like, of course, you know, his picture, it was a pictograph. So they're all painted. And so primarily it's right. you know, it's all like red paint, but he's got like red and black, but he's got these long white claws coming down from his feet and from his hands. Oh, and, I, <laughs> and it just kind of blew me away because and that's one of the beauty of like petroglyphs and pictographs is like we get to just use our imagination and um because one thing I always say is I'm like, if someone can stand here and tell you exactly what all these petroglyphs mean, then they're fully, you know what? You know? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just a mystery. And and um, but also like another point I really wanted to make is that um, bighorn sheep, you know, you were talking about that, the, the great hunt and mm -hmm. uh, in the four corners region alone here, there's about 90,000 petroglyphs that have been documented. And of that, I believe it's 47% are bighorn sheep. Whoa. Which really tells us a lot about the culture in itself, you know? Right. Yeah. How important this animal was to these people. Uh, so yeah, just, just a really cool one. And, and I love, and I love the ones where it's like, they're clearly hunting, you know, right. <laughs> like the one up in arches, that's a ute panel on the delicate arch hike. Um, of Rothschild. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're on horses. And so they know that it came after, after contact with the Spanish. Mm -hmm. So like late, late 17th century at the earliest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that one because like when I take people there, if if I guide people to that specific uh, location, I always tell them like this is a pretty rare panel. And then I explain myself because I'm like the Utes didn't in uh, modern tribes today, they really didn't leave a lot of petroglyphs. It was mostly the ancient ones of like the archaic people. And then, of course, you know, the Fremont's um, uh, work that we see on the walls. But yeah, just super, super awesome stuff. man. <laughs> So let me ask you this. Do you, do you have any specific favorite stories that you have told on your social media? I mean, the ones that stand out to me are kind of the ones that blew up. And I was like, whoa, 
I did not expect that to really connect. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of the time I'll have ones where I'm really excited about it mm -hmm. and it just, it doesn't really click with people. And there'll yeah. be the ones that I wasn't expecting that just go crazy. Yeah. Um, but I get, I get really excited over just any, any video I can do that sort of reframes the way we're looking at the world around us. Like, mm -hmm. like we were talking about those, those trade routes and those, things in Utah that we thought uh, we, we didn't realize how international the communities living here, you know, a thousand years ago were mm. that kind of thing. There was one I just recently did about um, a, a grave that was found by Utah Lake in 1991. And it, mm -hmm. the grave dated back to like 5,000 years ago. I think it was found the same year as Otzi the Iceman was found in Europe, huh. but this one was, I think, actually a little bit older than Utsi, and he was buried with a dog, and, you know, this guy had been living in the Utah Valley thousands of years ago, and I think, you know, it, it didn't even look all that different. We've built, we've had uh, farms, built cities, roads, and all of that, but the lakes were generally in the same area, the mountains, and a lot of the same streams and all of that, and it kind of is eye-opening how, I mean, we, we talk about how much things have changed and they have, but there's a lot that's also universal or just, you know, consistent over huge periods of time. Right. Yeah. That that's, I, I actually saw that one. That was very interesting. And I, and I liked that he was buried with a dog. I just kind of want to point that out. <laughs> that, yeah, no, oh. <laughs> I've made some people angry by being a cat person, but I like dogs too, you know? Just... Oh, I'm totally, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm right there with you. I am a cat person myself. <laughs> so. Let's not tell too many people because yeah. they get mad. <laughs> well, I like dogs. I like other people's dogs. Like I'll pet them and love on them. Right. But, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I like yeah. them too, but they're not as easy to hold as a cat, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, that right there shows that they were already domesticating dogs back then. Oh yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. When I wanted to do, when I went to the edge of the Cedars museum, I knew that they had the, the Bacoss staff there cause I'd been there before, mm -hmm. but they used to have a Turkey feather blanket there or a robe like a big turkey feather robe that they they put back into storage last time I went there. But they, in addition to dogs, the, the ancestral Puebloans in the Four Corners area were uh, raising domesticated turkeys hmm. and using their feathers to make robes and blankets. And it was a, a big part of their lives. Hmm. That's interesting. And Talking about domesticating animals like that, there's this one uh, petroglyph panel and it has some bighorn sheep, but then there is this long line going behind them and then um, one long line going in front of them. Of course, represented on the panel, it was kind of above and below, right? But this long, these long lines had these little ticks kind of coming down. It looked like a big fence, kind of like surrounding this like little herd of bighorns and it looked like a, huh. yeah, which is pretty interesting. That one's actually on the uh, wall street panel uh, here in Moab. Kind of when you're standing okay. up, it's kind of like way off to the right, uh, kind of at the beginning uh, where the panel starts over by the handprint. 
Um, but yeah, just that's super... not that's not the one that's by the road. I'm thinking of the courthouse one. That's different. Um, yeah, this one's down the right? Potash Road. Down the Potash Road. It's like the river's oh, actually. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> Fantastic panel. I actually visit that panel um, every single time I go into the backcountry of Canyonlands when I'm guiding. And so that's kind of like my first stop with folks. And we just look at the petroglyphs and it's just so many many of them you know there <laughs> yeah them. and um even all if you keep going down potash road here in moab um that all down that all down that wall there's just petroglyphs kind of tucked in here and there and even down king creek there's a lots of petroglyphs tucked in um which are uh really really interesting to see a lot of uh, there was one down king creek where um almost to where it hits the dirt road uh it there's what looks like deer tracks going all the way up the wall or something oh, like cool. that which is which is which is pretty cool <laughs> um, yeah but i tried to get a good picture of it but someone had i guess graffiti their name kind of like above it or kind of oh. inside of it which is that's one of my yeah. biggest pet peeves is to see petroglyphs being graffitied and right uh, somebody Somebody in my comments on uh, one of my videos like talked about how come it was okay for them to do that, but not us to do that now. Yeah, and I think we've agreed as a society now that these are basically like outdoor museum exhibits, mm -hmm. and it was okay for Leonardo da Vinci to paint on that that piece of poplar and make the Mona Lisa. We've agreed that you're not allowed to paint on that same piece anymore. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I get, I actually have gotten asked that question probably a small handful of times. It's not a common question, but, you know, because uh, I was on a tour and I stopped and showing the petroglyphs. And then um, later on, I saw some graffiti on a rock and I was like, oh, man, I really hate when people do that. And then they did that, you know, well, if you think that's OK, you know, then what about the petroglyphs? <laughs> yeah. Said, well, let me tell you something. I believe petroglyphs were a very sacred thing because mm -hmm. if they weren't a sacred thing, humans are humans. There would be pictures on every single rock out here that would be dating back so far, you know, but I feel like That's a really was, good point. I feel like it was something that like maybe like a little archaic kid, you know, would be trying to scratch on a rock and his mom was saying, Hey, 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 no, 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 you don't do that. You know, that's for, I feel like maybe that there was, because if they were sacred, there was probably, uh, and my interpretation of the matter, I'm just going to plug that in there <laughs> for people listening. Mm -hmm. My interpretation of the matter is I feel like that there was probably a couple of people, maybe one or two that were deemed as like a scribe. And they were the ones who left those sacred symbols and sacred uh, images on the wall to depict whatever, you know, um, whatever they wanted to. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of my reply to that one, you know, and, and, but I'm kind of backwards on, on graffiti. Cause if I see like Jim 2024, I'm like, come on, man. But if I see Jim 1824, I'm like, Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do kind of understand the question, but uh, yeah, no, I feel like we're, we, we generally get it guys, right? Like yeah. we just don't, it's not for us to do exactly in the, these spots anymore, you know?
exactly yeah yeah absolutely yeah so do not mark on the rocks <laughs> i recommend making marks on the internet perfect you know? there you go it's a great platform <laughs> it really is and more people will see it so <laughs> mm -hmm. so um so yeah just like real quick i kind of want to talk a little bit about what you do on social media i just kind of want to go back to that uh, real quick, uh, for those who might just be joining in on this portion of the episode. Uh, so I'm talking to uh, Brigham of Utah, as as he's known on Instagram and what other platforms? Uh, TikTok. TikTok. So trying TikTok to get Instagram. YouTube going, but that's that hasn't really started too much yet. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, if you're on the Instagram, if you're on TikTok, uh, just go up to the search bar, type in Brigham of Utah, and. Uh, yeah, he's got some awesome uh, uh, videos on Utah history and a little geology. And he kind of goes all over the state and he covers all um, all history from indigenous to explorers, uh, cowboys, um, settler history, just really unique things. Uh, so highly recommend you guys uh, check that out. Um, what sites have you visited around besides arches because we already talked about that but what sites have you visited around the moab specific region or even down you know from from moab to bluff well yeah uh, edge of the cedars was mm -hmm. was one that i did last summer um the, i think it's the courthouse panel just by by arches um mm -hmm. on, on the road is that highway six that goes through moab turns into the main street yeah, that's 191. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did one there kind of talking about how that was one of the one of the only areas where you could cross the Colorado River uh with any relative ease going back hundreds of years and that's mm -hmm. possibly why you know there's a petroglyph a pictograph panel there. Um I did Grandstaff Canyon. Nice. Talked about Bill Grandstaff. Yeah, the William Grandstaff, um, that is a really awesome subject here in Moab. And when I moved here, uh, um, we didn't know anything about him back then. You know, uh, it was just kind of like, yeah, he was sort of the first successful settler in the late 1870s. And um, he was an African-American man and he got here with a guy named Frenchie. And then in 1881, he mysteriously just vanished. Um, and we don't kind know. Kind of mysteriously. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so the Moab Museum here, uh, my friends over there at the Moab Museum, they uh, worked very hard and they hired like genealogists and um, people from like the, um, all the ancestry stuff. And they found all they found his name coming up and they literally traced uh, him all the way back east and they found out what had happened to him. You know, in 1881, he went up to uh, Glenwood Springs and uh, he owned a spring and, a, and even a tavern up there. And uh, so right. he was doing pretty good for himself <laughs> after he had uh, left Moab. But um, it was after the Battle of the Pinhook draw in 1881 is when he had gotten out. And according to like word, he said that there were he was afraid some some men were going to take up arms against him. And that's why he got out of here, because he was sort of known to be friends with a lot of the Utes in the in the area. And yeah. um, so 
tensions were just a little too high for him around here. So that's why he got out of here. But yeah, it's pretty cool because it's kind of like, you know, one of the first things guides will learn out here in Moab is that William Grandstaff was the first, you know, guy to live here that was not Native American. And uh, he was the first successful one or whatever. And um, did you hear the story of Frenchie and like what happened to Frenchie? I don't think so. Because there was a Frenchman who came with Grandstaff. And right. so this, uh, of course, is just sort of, um, you know, um, uh, verbal history. You know, not, this wasn't written down, but it's sort of a story. It's been in Moab forever. And um, apparently he owned Grandstaff and Frenchie split the valley kind of in half. And Frenchie was here for close to a year. And that's when other families were starting to move in to settle. Well, he sold his half of the, of the, of the Moab Valley here to one family. And then he turned around and sold it to another one. Then so, turned around and sold it to another one. So you got all these people <sighs> building and they're like, wait a minute, this is my land. I bought this from a Frenchman. They're like, I bought this from a Frenchman. <laughs> he just bamboozled everybody <laughs> and then got out of here. Um, so <laughs> but... Never buy from a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's funny. But, it depends on the Frenchman. Right, right. Just like any man. <laughs> right, of course. Um, but yeah, um, so do you live up in the Salt Lake Valley? You live up there in that valley? I live in the Utah Valley. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, around Utah County. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool. So you're real familiar. That's probably is that is that sort of like where you started um when huh. you like studying history and stuff is that sort of like where you sort of started learning it was about what was around you at first and then you started to broaden outward i grew up in juab county and was actually living there up until just a couple years ago so i guess i knew a little bit more about what was in around nephi utah Mm -hmm. honestly i don't i didn't think that much about it there's kind of I, I've just been interested in history in general for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if I had the budget, I would go all over the world making these videos, but oh, I don't. And Utah so cool. is good enough, you know? So <laughs> actually it's great. I'm glad I wasn't, you know, born someplace boring or, you know, stuck someplace boring. Right. It doesn't have such cool history to go talk about. Yeah. But I'm from, um, I'm originally from North Carolina and when it comes i'm from uh the western part of north carolina appalachian mountains and uh very little cool history there yeah yeah not (laughs) (laughs) well i was gonna say we don't have as much archaeology when it comes to native americans that's true um mostly because a lot of it's so it's so humid and damp there that things just don't last around forever like they do out here where it's a lot more dry um and uh, they lived in a lot more temporary dwellings, you know, long ago out there than what they did out here um, when they built all the pueblos and stuff and greeneries and such out here. And uh, but yeah, I mean, there's some really cool history out there, like um, uh, Civil War history, Revolutionary War history. I grew up going to Revolutionary War battlegrounds on um, on field trips and stuff like that. Now, I can't remember for sure if it's North Carolina or South Carolina. One of the Carolinas 
is off the coast is where Blackbeard was killed by Robert Maynard. So I believe that is Ocracoke, North Carolina. That's our big okay, yeah. We're like our pirate area off the coast. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that's Ocracoke. And if anyone listening actually knows the if I'm wrong, please, you know, shoot me a message. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, or send uh, Brigham a DM. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, and that's one of the things I love about Utah history is that it's so visual out here. Yeah. It's, you know, not, it's pretty like when it comes to the Anglo history here, you know, of settlers and stuff, it's relatively recent. You know, right. Just, I mean, like really recent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just mid 1800s. Uh, and up, uh, of course, until present time. Uh, so seeing all these old cowboy cabins out, I know out here in the Moab area, if you sort of venture off the beaten path, for a while you're gonna stumble upon something out here Mm -hmm. like um an old cowboy cabin or like an old dilapidated cowboy corral or something like that i've even seen cowboy uh fire rings uh made out of rock with like four inches of crypto growing up in the middle of them and i'm like growing up amazing and cans on rocks with bullet holes in them from like you know the 30s or so and just super super interesting stuff and um yeah because uh you just covered some i i I think you've you've done a couple of cowboy stuff here recently especially about butch cassidy oh yeah yeah tell me a little bit more about 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 that one well the most recent one i did was about the castlegate robbery yes where i mean it's a very popular story, especially around Carbon County, about how Butch Cassidy and Elsie Lay robbed the the payroll of the Pleasant Valley Coal Company and what was the town of Castlegate isn't mm-hmm. there anymore. And turns out there's a strong chance he didn't, but you know he's the most famous outlaw in the territory. Big robbery happened makes sense to the people around there. It's like, was that Butch Cassidy? Maybe, maybe not though. Interesting. Cause have you, have you ever ventured out into the robber's roost area out here? I've gotten near it, but like not, not really. If you ever come to Moab, I'll take you out there. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> there's uh Butch Cassidy built a cabin out there down in this Canyon and oh my gosh. Um, the cabin was burnt down by by a sheriff uh, well after long after Butch Cassidy had left it. Um, but the chimney remains there. And so on the mantle of the chimney, there's like people leave like I've little little, little mementos to people leave like little mementos to uh, Butch Cassidy on there and bones. And Is that really hard to get out to kind of it's it's really hard to find. I'll be honest with you. It kind of is hard to, uh, when I was down there with some friends um, a few years ago, we were looking at it and he literally had like nine different ways to escape that area. (laughs) And they could sit kind of high up on the rock and they could see pretty far away from where they were. So he was kind of in the prime spot. Um, One of the coolest things there though, is that uh, probably about, 40 feet from the chimney, there's this big wall, this big rock wall. And mm-hmm. there's bullet holes that spell out the word Rob right on the oh. wall. 
And so it's kind of like, okay, was that Rob awesome. or was that Robert? Because his real first name was Robert. So kind of kind of right. a really cool thing. Um, yeah. And also out in the robber's roost area, there is old um, old mailboxes from back in the uh, um, Pony Express days out there, which are really wow. cool to see. Um, so yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome <laughs> stuff out there in, uh, the Robert's Roost. but, um, but, f- uh, I'll tell you this and also our listeners, um, uh, my boss at my guide company, John Williams, uh, of Naftech expeditions here. Um, his grandfather was doc Williams, our first official full-time doctor here in Moab. And he is, uh, the guy in the 1920s who fell in love with the arches area. He, uh, contacted, um, eventually getting in contact with Senator Reed Smoot, uh, Stephen Mather of the MPS. 1929, Arches was established by uh, Hoover. Uh, so Doc mm-hmm. Williams, my boss's grandfather, was dubbed the father of Arches, right? And so he was also a traveling doctor. So he was based in Moab, but he on horseback, of course, had to go all the way up to like Thompson Springs, all the way out to Hanksville, um, all the way out, out to uh, LaSalle and um, all these other towns. So he knew the area better than anyone else. Um, so one of these really cool stories is that Butch Cassidy, uh, he would rob up in Colorado and then he would come through Moab and pay the ferryman. I believe it was Norman Taylor at the time. He would pay the ferryman a lot of money to keep quiet and then to get them across the river. And then he would head on out to the robber's roost. Uh, one time they were coming through Moab and one of his men in his gang had a bullet in him. And so they went and saw Doc Williams. Well, he left the guy with Doc Williams and another guy just to be there with him. And they said, we're going to head out to the roost whenever you're better. Come on out. Well, they came out. And when they got to the robber's roost, they had the Doc's favorite horse. They stole it. Hmm. And so my boss tells me his grandfather rode all the way out there because he knew exactly where they were. And he rode into this canyon with outlaws posted up and they're all just like, oh, no. <laughs> and he yeah. not even say a word. He just rode right in there, got off that horse, grabbed the reins of his favorite mare and then let and got back on his horse and then came all the way back into Moab and didn't even say a word. Um, so um, he knew he really wanted that horse. <laughs> Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, you don't make the doctor mad. Like he's the one who, no. <laughs> you know, cause we come through here all the time. And, and there's even the soul these old stories that people in Moab loved Butch Cassidy, you know, because he would be riding, he would ride through the street, just flicking off gold coin, you know, just coins to people as he's, as he's riding through and no one would ever say a word. Um, right. And I, I recently learned uh, last year on one of my podcast episodes, I had a friend of mine who works at the Moab Museum and he specializes in just local town history and especially with buildings. And we're talking about banks. And um, I never really heard of any banks back in the day in Moab getting robbed. And come to find out that was kind of like the corruption here was the banks were owned by outlaws. So <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to rob behind the scenes. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, just just really cool, interesting stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, do you do you have like anything, uh, any other um, any other stories that are kind of brewing around there for you as I was talking? Um, oh. You mean like about Butch Cassidy or? 
Yeah. Um, real quick, what about that skin? Leather skin. Like, <laughs> can, we, can we just talk about that for a second? Chauncey Millard? Yes. Yes. What museum? Oh my gosh, yes. That is the Hutchings Museum in Lehigh. Okay. It's just a it's kind of a small museum um in the old historic part of Lehigh. And they have a lot of um cowboy stuff. They're kind of divided into little sections. They have some fossils, they have some stuff about, you know, the pioneers. And then they have their old west flank. That's mm -hmm. um, they've got Porter Rockwell stuff, um, Jack Slade, uh, Wild Bill Hickman, and then they have yeah, a piece of Chauncey Millard's skin <laughs> from his um his abdomen area. Mm -hmm. That uh, I've, I've heard him called the Candy Man, but I, I can't couldn't <laughs> find where I heard that from. Right, because the story is that. Well, Chauncey had committed a murder and he'd been tracked down by Porter Rockwell and I'm blanking on the name of the other guys. Another guy who's doesn't have his high re name recognition, but he's a big lawman in, mm -hmm. in early Salt Lake history. And so Chauncey was going to face the firing squad and he sold his body after to be used afterwards by a doctor for medical research mm -hmm. in exchange for a pound of candy. <laughs> and the story is, I, the, according to legend, he was finishing up his candy just before they shot him. And the doctor, I guess, wanted to use his skeleton for academic purposes, accidentally dissolved the whole body. But before he had done that, he cut off this piece of skin that he tanned into leather and used to wrap his surgical instruments in that is now it, i don't i don't know how it ended up at the hutchings museum but <laughs> that's where it is now <laughs> that is like the oddest thing that a doctor would do that well i think at wyoming they have a pair of shoes made out of what is it george curry i think made out of human skin huh. from an, another outlaw and so it was a thing, it's a gross thing that people did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like a, kind of like a, I don't know what I meant to just like a, like a, like a trophy almost, you know, probably right, yeah. in a weird, in a weird kind of a way. Yeah. But I would love to learn and find out how it ended up at the Hutchins Museum. <laughs> <laughs> like, someone have it in their collection at home and was like, you know what? You guys need to, you guys need this. Yeah. I need to get this out of my house and all it's bad mojo. You can have it <laughs> for real. For real. Yeah. It's very, it's very, um, it's very interesting to see the things that museums have here in Utah. Right. One of my favorite things to see are, uh, atlatls. Oh yeah. I, I find those so so interesting. Um like who figured that out? I I someone who was like, hey, I want to stab that guy way over there, but he's you know 50 feet away from me, you know, or something. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't want to get that close to that mammoth, but I do want to kill it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're trying to figure out how to throw, how to launch something f uh, faster and stronger than what you can physically throw it. Um, right. Just insane. 
Um, and one one thing for those for those listening, if you don't know what an atlatl is, it's basically this uh, long piece of wood um, that a lot of them they would uh, carve like sort of a trench all the way down along the middle of it, and then leave a notch. Or sometimes they would use a rock as a notch, and then they would lay down a spear inside that, and they would sort of use that piece of wood to launch their spear. Uh, kind of like that plastic rod that you use to throw ten that that you can use to throw a tennis ball for a dog. It's sort of the mm-hmm. same uh, concept, you know. Um, but I think I I think this just kind of goes back to prove that they were intelligent people, you know. Well, yeah. To figure out that that could work. Yeah, and I think they they had to rely on their wits for survival more than we do today you know we've got so many <laughs> systems figured out to help us get through and allow us all of our distractions but back then you know knowing these things were a matter of life and death every day yeah. they had to be a little more clever than us a lot of the time yeah or a lot more clever <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> true yeah and it's it's kind of just one of those things i guess it kind of sort of kind of goes into the anthropology of it, you know, kind of like how and why, which is Mm -hmm. always a very cool thing that I like to study when I'm, when I'm studying history is to sort of look into a little bit of the uh, anthropology of it. And, um, but yeah, (laughs) well, I heard uh, the bow and arrow really didn't come around this region. Um, I believe an archeologist was telling us this a few years ago. I was in a meeting with them and they said uh, it was around 500 AD. Yeah, I was just reading that not that long ago myself. Which that would be Fremont. Um, that would be right. the, uh, the 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 Fremont culture era are uh, probably right around the ancestral Puebloan era as well, depending on you know where you're at. And I don't think you see bow and arrows in like archaic rock art, right? You see them in Fremont though. Definitely in Fremont. So that's kind of like a really e- like that's kind of a really easy thing, uh, an easy tool to sort of date to petroglyph. Um, there is, we believe there is an atlatl depicted on the, um, on the, um, on, on Padash, on the Padash road here in Moab on the, well, that would make a lot of sense. Cause it's kind of like way up. It's, it's at the, it's at the main panel right there on Padash. It's kind of way up into the left. You see this guy, um, he's what he's holding, what looks like a big long spear, but at the very bottom of it, it's sort of, it sort of curves a bit the spear kind of curves as if it's connected to the atlatl or whatever in some way shape or form so uh and that one's definitely a um archaic piece um so and probably about 40 feet to the right of it you'll see a chief and he's got this huge headdress on you probably know exactly which one i'm talking about a huge headdress on and he is holding a bow in his right hand uh so that's kind of what i use to show people um to to date these petroglyphs and and even the one where i believe he's holding the atlatl uh that one's a little more faded you can see the reddish uh varnish kind of kind of feeding through uh the rock there um inside the petroglyph so kind of really showing a lot more age than what that fremont chief is so yeah that's a that's a really cool one i like how our conversation 
went right back to petroglyphs. <laughs> it always does. It always does. <laughs> it's so true. Even with my friends, we'll be sitting around talking about history and we'll just loop right back around to the petroglyphs just because right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's such an interesting thing, you know, because when I was back east, we don't have petroglyphs in North Carolina. In fact, you know, anytime I would think of a petroglyph it would probably be like cave drawings like in a caveman cave you know of like mm, mammoths wow, or something yeah. and then i came out here to moab uh years and years ago and then i saw petroglyphs and was like oh my gosh like <laughs> this is so cool that there are so many of them like right here in my face you know right <laughs> it's just such yeah a, such an awesome thing i mean a lot of people don't know it but they even have them in northern Utah too, around Utah Lake, and hmm. there's there's pictographs and stuff. They're they're not as easy to find as the ones in southeast Utah, mm -hmm. but people were living all over and leaving their mark. Yeah, and it's it's something about just being human that just kind of makes us want to leave our mark. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and I think, and I and kind of looping back around to people leaving graffiti, I think it's just sort of that that natural instinct within humans of like, man, I gotta leave my mark here, you know. Um, right. No, back east, it's all about um, scratching your your initials in trees and on fence posts and different things like that out there. It's that's what's super super popular. Um, I think they call those arbor glyphs or something like that. <laughs> huh. We know a lot of them on the quaking aspens here. Yeah, there's some up in the LaSalle's. I have some really old dates to them up there in the LaSalle's. Wow. Um, yeah, dating back. Uh, when I say old, I'm talking like early 1900s or so, um, which are kind of kind of cool. You know, just a big, massive Aspen. <laughs> you know? I courted a little bit of controversy with one of my videos about quaking Aspen's telling people maybe don't be carving them up, though, anymore. Like make an internet video instead, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I don't really know. I, they say it's not very good for the trees, but right. Right. Just something about leaving our mark, you know, and right. And you know, all these people we study about in Utah history, obviously they made their mark in some way, shape or form or else we wouldn't be talking about them, you know, <laughs> and I uh, definitely wouldn't be talking about them, but <sighs> Brigham, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, unfortunately, our time is kind of winding down here. Uh, but I just want to encourage everyone listening, if you are on social media, look up Brigham of Utah and uh, check out his stuff and share his videos, like his videos. I mean, I highly recommend it. That would be super, super cool. Support, you know, supporting uh, local Utah history and, um, and, Brigham's dream of you know doing this so hopefully someday we'll it'll be it'll say Brigham of the world that would be <laughs> I might have to make a sister channel that's like you know have Brigham of Utah and then Brigham of everywhere else you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be fantastic oh man <laughs> all right well guys that's all for the show today and really appreciate everyone who has been who has been listening and uh, catch us next month on the History Hour here on KZMU, and we'll see you then. You can catch the History Hour on the KZMU Airwaves on the last Monday of every month 
at 4 p.m. 